I'm Demela Roberts, Stage and Studio on Arts Watch. The eighth annual Vanport Mosaic Festival is happening through May 29th, mostly through North Portland and Northeast Portland. This annual event is a memory activism event to remember, repair, reclaim, and re-image the collective story. It happens every year around the anniversary of the Vanport Flood, which devastated Portland in 1948. It forever changed the Black community at the time, and it displaced more than 18,000 people. And it's the 75th anniversary of that flood. The festival is the brainchild of Laura Laforti and Damaris Webb, co-directors and co-founders. And it has a mosaic of events, which you can find at vanportmosaic.org. And with me to talk about some of the events are Aaron Spriggs. Hey, Aaron. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. And Giselle Hata. Hey, Giselle. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Welcome both to Stage and Studio on Arts Watch. Now, I'm, I'm going to uh, talk about both of your events, but let's start with Aaron. Aaron Spriggs has spent most of his time as a community advocate, teacher, group facilitator, and artist, and he is co-facilitating a collective altar for collective grief, gratitude, and grace on May 28th at the historic Alberta House from 1 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., and that's free and open to the public. It's good to meet you, Aaron, and uh, you know we'll be hearing more about that coming up. And Chizal Hata is the creative director for the Living Arts Program at the Japanese American Museum of Oregon. Chizal is a veteran performer and educator, and I've collaborated with her on several occasions, and she's a great collaborator, and she's also what she calls a community weaver, and she is doing several events on May 27th, which we'll find out about. It's it's really nice to have you back on stage in studio, Chizal. Thank you for having me, Demay. Both of you have been part of Vanport Mosaic for the last few years. I, I just from a you know from your personal perspectives, what's the importance of this festival for you, Aaron? Do you want to start? I think for me, um, not being a Portland native, as they call it, although that term has its own confusings and musings. But uh, growing up in Detroit, Michigan, and then being out here for the past 10 years, this festival and really just the Vanport Mosaic as a memory activism community collaborative, it's, it's kind of like a living thing. You know, and to me, what it what it does is it kind of helps me to to remember and to integrate into the real life history and to the real life history of the displacement, as well as the prior integration that happened in Vanport. You know, Portland and Oregon has a very confusing history and a and a difficult and um, disappointing history around race relations and things like that. And and Vanport kind of shares some of that story around what's possible when there is a um, collaboration between people who are from different places, um, as well as the reality of what happens when some folks are left out of the picture or what some folks are not given the resources needed in times of need. And, and the continuing legacy of, of, of both of those kind of uh, stories. And, and, and this being the Vanport being a, a very, um, yeah, just important remembrance. Yeah, well put. And I especially like that, 
you know, you've come into this, you know, as a 10 year resident and, and, you know, you are now part of the collective history, you mm-hmm. know, and Chizau, you've been part of the collective history for a little bit longer, shall we say. And so what does Vanport Mosaic mean to you, especially you're a community weaver for Vanport Mosaic? So I think it was maybe about the first or second year that I got involved and the first oral histories that were being collected had community events. And at those community events, people who were what we call Vanport survivors were invited to come and tell their stories. And there was a couple of people who raised their hands in the back and said, well, I'm Japanese American and I was at Vanport. Yeah. And so I ended up interviewing Janice Okamoto and her brother, which was one of the first interviews that happened of the Japanese Americans that were there. So that's that's the door that I came through. I had known about Vanport for a long time. And then following um, that involvement with the oral histories, Laura and I developed a uh, project called Stories in Movement. And we did that for several years, for three years um, with the city of Portland. And so that in itself was quite a journey, but it was mainly to say, You know, if you don't know about Vanport, you should, because it impacts all of us, because history is, I like to say, history is not only about the now, it's about the future. So the more that we understand about history, the more we understand about ourselves. And we had conversations about what are the conditions of life and what did we learn from Vanport? Um, It was kind of a, an experiment unintentionally that was shaped Vanport. You know, Chizau, you also did a fairly large production, a very large actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, called Gambate Be Strong, which was it was a, a big event to have of performances about the history of Japanese American incarceration during World War II. Are you planning more of those kind of events? Well, I know not this year. It was three years in the making, and it started actually as a collection of oral histories, and then it turned into a reading. So it was three years of developing um, the stories through through readings. And yeah. then eventually in 2019, it became a 90-minute play. So it started as Gambate, Be Strong, and the last title was Gambate, An American Legacy. I just think that was a really important piece to bring out because, it, you know, that, that was a huge production. And like you said, it was three years in the making. It was very memorable. You know, and it definitely involved a lot of people in the Japanese American community. It was one thing that was really unique about that because we collected the oral histories and then we had 12 what we called community cast, and most of them had never been in a play before. Um, And some of them had been incarcerated. And so they brought their memories. They brought actually some of their clothes and that they wore during that time. They brought their memories. Uh, they brought their experiences. And and really what was so sweet about that is they, they really became a family as a, as a cast. Um, they, they bonded as a group of people to tell the story of not just how we came to Vanport, but the losses that happened before then from losing our place in Nihonmachi to going to the Portland Assembly Center or the uh, what's now known as the Expo Center, to then going to Minidoka, Idaho, one of the 10 um, concentration camps. And then 
with a ticket and $25 had the option of going to Vanport. And so some people returned to Vanport. So it, it was important to tell not just the first part, but all four parts of, of the loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the loss was even greater, right? After Absolutely. returning from that experience. And then, you know, three years later, here's this devastating flood. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to ask you this for both of you, because I think now uh, about how several states, Florida being in the lead, how they're banning books that talk about Black history or LGBTQ plus content or anything historically that even talks about, you know, historically about racism. You know, what is the damage in not knowing our history and also just going out of your way to sort of erase it? Not sort of, really, just erase it. You want to take it, Aaron, or you want me to yeah, take I it? Yeah, I can talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean. And you didn't know you was going to get this deep, but, you know. It I mean, really, let's when, go there, though. I mean, that's, let's you go know, there. We're, yeah. we're talking about yeah. memory activism and the importance yeah. and of history. remembering and yeah. history, right? And I think that the reason that a project like this is so important is because of efforts like that to erase history, to to downplay history. And in terms of the damage that it causes is, you know, they, they talk about um, history repeats itself, right? And that phrase is, I think, a negligent affirmation. And the reason I say it like that is because if we commit ourselves to repeating history, if we commit ourselves to these different these different phrasings, these different musings of, of how we are as a collective species, as humans, then, then we damn ourselves to those same um, realities. And the, and the reality is that when we can look at things with clarity, when we can look at things with compassion and understanding, even towards those who caused harm, but when we can look at, but when we can look at the things with clarity, with compassion and also with a vision towards what it is that we desire or what it is that the, that the collective is calling for and needing. We need to look at what was done in order to have an accurate depiction of what is and, and in, order to, in order to look towards what we want and we want to build, we have to also look at what is. And so I believe the what is and the present is the most important uh, aspect for us to be focusing on. But in order for us to look at the present, we have to look at the lineages that brought us to now because the now has you know, I think about like a tree, right? You can look at, you look at a tree, you know, you can look at the, 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 the base or the trunk of a tree, but that you don't really understand what that tree has had to go through in order to be a trunk without looking at the roots, right? And those roots are what keep that trunk in place. And so it, it, it is vital, I believe, and so damaging. If you try to cut off the roots of a tree, if you try to imagine the roots don't exist on a tree, you're not really looking at the tree. You're looking at an image or a projection of what you think a tree is, but you're not really looking at a tree. Well, especially if you get rid of the roots, they, the tree dies. So right. that's all you can have is an image after that, right? Exactly. And it's not real. It's not real at all. Thank you for, yeah. for that. I, I thought that was beautifully put. Giselle, do you want to take that on as well? Yes, I think, you know, we all lose if the full story isn't told. And so we haven't chosen as people of color 
how the stories have been framed since the beginning of America. A lot has been left out. And so what we're talking about is not changing, but including all those histories, because we need to know, not just as people of color, what our history is, but everyone. White America needs to know what the, what that history is. And we all will benefit from that. Because, you know, I've had people tell me, well, we don't want to teach the bad history, but who determines what is bad and what is good? Because history is history. And so when you omit omit part of the stories, you're leaving out the whole story, or you could use the analogy of the tree if you're leaving out some of the roots and just telling the, you know, top of the tree stories, then it's it's not fully developed. And as people of color, our stories have not been told. Our stories have not been included in the telling of what America is, how America came to be. And we are as equally important in how America came to be as any anyone else in any other story. So I really don't understand, well, I guess I do kind of understand, but yeah, I do understand why, but there's nothing to lose. There's only much to gain by a fuller, richer, deeper history of everyone. I am for the inclusion of all of our stories in multiple ways. And I think it might be through the arts that we get there. If we don't get there through, you know, the school boards and the legitimate quote unquote, ways that society is built, it doesn't mean that we're not there, we don't fit in, or we're not important. So we have to just find the ways. And I think that Vanport Mosaic is one of those ways. It makes it even more important. I think the museum that I'm working at now is one of those you know, stories that's not told, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm there to make sure we tell that story. Yeah. It just feels like maybe within our lifetimes, there has been more inclusion and certainly the last few years, but it also feels like this reaction of banning books is such a backlash, you know, to, to roll back time. Right. You know, that's one thing, (laughs) you know, I think by losing history, which is kind of an oxymoron at this point, I appreciate both of your thoughts on this. You know, given it's the 75th anniversary of the Vanport flood, it really feels like a lot of the events in the festival, there are a lot of walks or in spaces, people talking to each other. It seems like these are creating opportunities for reflection and conversation. Am I right on this? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have lost a lot of community in not only our years during the pandemic, but leading up to that and all the social changes that we've all been through. And so it's necessary that we come together and build the community that we want to have. And I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, that's the creative part. That's the um, exciting part to me that we can, that we can come together and do that through avenues like Vanport Mosaic that really bring stories together, bring people together through their stories and through our history that has been historically omitted. Absolutely. And I was going to just add on that, you know, I think that when we talk about, you know, when we talk about maybe the event that my friend Riddhi and I are, are presenting, the collective altar for collective grief, gratitude and grace, you know, I believe that one of the reasons people are trying to cut out parts of our history 
is because there's a dissonance based on how difficult it feels to experience grief, how difficult it feels to look at what has happened and really feel the reverberations of that. And, um, and it's important for us to, you know, because there is a lot of grief. There's a lot of harm that was caused by not only the before the floods, but the during and the after the flood, and also just the history of uh, the Portland region and Oregon in general. And it's important for us to acknowledge how that has affected us as human bodies, you know, and, and also at the same time acknowledge that like, you know, as I'm continuing to learn, right, I'm, I've been here 10 years, I'm still just continuing to learn how the lineages of these different areas and the different folks connect, you know, like the Albina district, right? It was a red line district where only black folks could live for a long time and they couldn't get loans to live anywhere else. And then after the Vanport floods, that's where a lot of the black folks had to live and were forced to live because there was no opportunity or resources for them to live on outside of that area. And then there's the reality that like a lot of really rich community and really rich history and culture were developed in the Albina district and, and really being able to like carry and look at both of those realities. You know, it's important for us to acknowledge and experience the grief that that is carried in our bodies because of the the collective history that we all are experiencing here in Portland whether that's from people who have been living in Portland for generations or people who like me who have only been here for the past 10 years and at the same time as that right it can be sometimes difficult to hold grief along with other emotions or experiences but then there is also the reality that like the albina district where there was a redlined area that that was where a lot of black folks had to live because that's the only place they could get loans to live it's the only places where they were allowed to to be in that during that era of time there was also a cultivation of rich history and rich culture um, and community that was developed there um, with the music, with the art, with just the community heart, you know, that was that was built up. And um, and and it's and it feels complex and it feels nuanced and it feels alive. Right. And 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 it's important to be able to experience and acknowledge the reality of all of that at the same time, which can be difficult, which is why people are like, let's just cut out the bad stuff. But if you cut out the bad stuff, you can't, you can't really all really acknowledge the heart and the reality of the good stuff either. So we call it generational trauma um, because in my case, I'm probably the last generation who, while I was not in the concentration camps that my parents were held in, my parents were there. And so I carry their memory closely to that. And, you know, when you talk about loss and our communities kind of intersecting too for years, the the loss of the Japanese community was really great with the uh, executive order 9066 during World War II and 125,294 people were um, sent to, you know, not only 10 concentration camps, but 75 different sites across America. And so, but in the case of Portland, the 10 blocks that the Japanese Americans and Japanese occupied, um, we couldn't own land, we couldn't vote, we couldn't become a citizen um, until 1962. 
Um, most of our, you know, first generation were not allowed to become a citizen. And right around the corner, because that was the end of the train line, and that's how a lot of African Americans came to Portland as the porters, the train porters. And so the Golden West, which is a well-known hotel down in Old Town, was one of the first African-American hotels. And also it's where most of the porters would stay at the end of the line, right? But before, this was before Albina. And that's where Albina started. Really the history of Albina started down there. And so when the black porters didn't have a place to stay in the Golden West, they came to Japanese-run hotels, which were also in the Nihonmachi or Japantown. And not owned by Japanese, but run by Japanese. And there were over 300 businesses that now our museum is the only thing that's left that reflects that history. And so we have to really do what we can to protect what's important to remember. And I think that that's why this festival is so important, because it keeps bringing us back to that. And it keeps doing the healing, the acknowledgement, really recognizing the generational loss that most of us have gone through by bringing us together and building community. So I think Aaron's event on the 28th creates a new space. And I think that's what similarly I'm trying to do too in the which in the space that's known as the Portland Assembly Center. So that's one of the few spaces that's left that was the original, not in the original state, but the original space that was one of the assembly centers, which is where people were taken immediately out of Nihonmachi. So about 4,000 Japanese and Japanese Americans were held there while the camps were being built. And so the event on the May 27th is going to be at that space. And if people have Well, let me backtrack a little. Uh, a collective altar for collective grief, gratitude, and grace is, is on May 28th at the historic Alberta House. And that's happening mm-hmm. from 1 to 8.30 p.m. It's free and open to the public. And that's the event that Aaron Spriggs and uh, it was co-created or co-facilitated with uh, Rigi de Cruz. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So between one and six, it'll kind of be like a free flowing. There'll be a gallery space. There'll be some altars that people can participate in. There'll be a place for young people to do some drawing and some letter making. Um, There'll be some oral histories that are playing and some different art and music that will be playing throughout the day. And then from seven to eight thirty, there'll be a um, kind of like a closing ceremony uh, for that event, as well as kind of tapping into the end of the festival uh, as well. But it's something that people could just come in and check out for a little, you know, for some time. Absolutely. And yeah. Chizelle, you know, you are doing several events on May 27th. So you started talking about the Day of Remembrance, which is a memorial f- for Japanese Americans held at the Assembly Center in 1943. And what time specifically is that happening? So there, it's like, kind of like errands. It's an ongoing day. Sort of an all-day thing? Yeah, of activities from 1 through 8. There's going to be a story room where we'll be talking about um, intergenerational conversations about not only the connection of Vanport, but our communities of color. There'll be some indigenous storytellers. We'll also be exploring a very important aspect now, which is being led by Metro, 
And so we're looking at how do we preserve and how do we honor the history of Japanese and Japanese Americans in this historic site moving forward. And so we're in a very involved process that has been taken quite a while to, there's a RFEI process. And so now we're looking at the next steps of creating this space as a site of conscience so people can find out what we're doing, what that work looks like, how they might be involved. And we also, as last year, are creating an altar space, which is a little bit different because there'll be shared stories. So you can sit in the altar, uh, you can sit in that space, you can look in one corner, it's like four different corners, and you can hear some stories of Native Americans, you can look in another corner and hear the Japanese American, the African American, you know, the Vanport collective stories. And uh, last year we built an altar in the center that represented all of those histories. And uh, we sang and we danced and we made blackberry tea from the, you know, from the area. We made paper. This year we're going to have definitely more storytelling. There's also paintings by Alex Chu, right? And you're leading movement as part of that. Is that well? Correct? So what happened when I mentioned the stories and movement? We had artists involved in the very process of having the conversations. So not only did we explore talking, but we explored movement how we exchanged non-verbally, how we exchanged as people through writing and not really talking all the time. We had a poet in there who reflected back to us what he you know, or she saw in the process. And Alex was one of the artists. The paintings that you're speaking of were created during Stories in Movement while we were holding story circles. Um, it was quite an amazing, you know, unusual and unique process, an event of how the arts can be infused into how we come together, even if Mm -hmm. we're talking in a circle, even if we're listening, you know, so those uh, six, so those six murals were created during those three years of stories and movement. I was, I actually got to be there one of those and be one of the, uh, the resident poets for one of those conversations. That was special. I love how you're building on, you know, prior years too. Um, so this is all happening at Delta Park Expo on May 27th and it's from one to eight 30. And, uh, I don't know that I've been to Delta Park. Can you give us a little bit of. So the Expo Center, you know, if you, if you, go down um, MLK and keep on going, you'll see the Expo Center. Okay. It's it's close to um, Bybee Lake. It's a huge facility, right? The Expo Center. It's where the Cirque du Soleil performs. Oh, okay. It's yeah, where they yeah. have volleyball have tournaments. There. Hall A is the actual space that okay. we're going to be doing the event in on the 27th. And that is the actual space that was good to know. the assembly okay. center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how you feel when you walk in there, but it must be very chilling. There's one woman who came in for our 75th Memorial Day of Remembrance, which was in 2017. What does that make this year? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she walked in and it was kind of fortunate that she had a TV crew with her. She immediately put her hand up to her nose because she smelled the smells 
of when she was a small child in that space because it was the livestock exposition hall and they literally built the stalls for people on top of the animal stalls. And so the smells were horrific for the summer that they were held there. Of course, the heat didn't help. Didn't help at all. You work very closely with the Japanese American Museum of Oregon, JAMO. And is there some collaboration with JAMO on this? this oh, project? absolutely. Yeah, they're one of the okay. main partners and sponsors. That's what I thought. They'll have a table there and we'll have our banners that talk about Nihon Machi, what it was, what was lost, what still is. We'll have the Remember Us rope that we made in 2017, which has tags reminiscent of the tags that people had to wear and the numbers that they were given at the time. So it's a 35-foot-long rope with all of the names, all the almost 4,000 names of people that were incarcerated in the Assembly Center. You know, right before um, we were doing this interview, um, I got a press release about the new uh, executive director. Do you want to talk about her at all? We're so excited. Um, Hanukkah Watsuki Chung will be coming soon in June. And she has a background of leading a lot of Japanese American history in places like Minidoka, which is the National Park Service uh, site. And in the and also um, Manzanar, I understand. And Manzanar. She, she's yeah. really had a, about a 16-year history of working with the, um, you know, of the sites that hold the memories of those who were incarcerated. And so I think that she, you know, really it will be integral to the next growth of the museum because she holds those stories and holds that history. So we're real excited. She's coming to us from Haluilui in Honolulu. And I know. so she's coming I from know. Honolulu. It's like, why? To Portland. She's coming to Portland. Does she know um, how cold it can get? No. <laughs> well, Just not kidding. only that, you know, we're in kind of a challenged area in um, we are. in Northwest and yeah. In Old Town, historic Old Town, Japantown, New Chinatown. But I think... Yeah, coming you know, from the most diverse state in the country. Yeah, so it'll be exciting. It'll, it'll be interesting, yeah. I mean, because, you know, JAMO has, you know, was was uh, open during the pandemic of all things. And so it really is an example of persevering. You know, and I mean, ways. we built our new museum during the pandemic. I know, <laughs> I know. Isn't that is wow. that's that's a survival story, you know, in of itself. I just wanted to uh, just ask, you know, if you have any final thoughts on um, Vanport Mosaic or a shout outs for anything that's happening the week that you're doing it. You know, the 75 year anniversary is important to uplift and remember. Um, because we've lost a lot of people in the last few years who were survivors and were here and have shared their stories. And we have collected those oral histories for over nine years. And so I think if you don't know about Vanport and you don't know about all the activities that are going on, it's a chance to learn American history that maybe you haven't learned about. And so you can, there's so many activities that I can't even go into all of them, but the right. Vanport Mosaic right. uh, website has them all listed. You can sign up, you can join, um, you can learn a lot, but I think it's it's really engaging with those stories and engaging with history in an alive and today way. So I'm excited and I hope everybody will come and join us. 
Yeah, I think uh, for me, I just uh, feel humbled and grateful uh, as a youngster and as uh, someone who moved here 10 years ago to be a part of this project and to, um, you know, do my part in keeping alive the history, keeping alive the now and dreaming into the future. And I give thanks for everyone who's been doing this work for a long time. You know, and for those who will continue to do the work. Yeah, I, you know, and I think we have lost a lot of people recently too. And it, you know, Chizal, when you were talking, it also reminded me of of Judith Yekel, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. and the loss for Van Port Mosaic as an organization, as she was the general manager, and you know, a longtime Portland arts manager and worker and talent. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Judith. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it really feels like all of these programs with both of you, but also just for the whole festival sound like it's a chance for healing as a Mm -hmm. society, you know, it's a chance for healing as a community. And, you know, we have undergone just in recent years, you know, the pandemic, but also political divides and upheavals in the last few years. And it sounds like that's an important moment to to kind of mend some things and, and to reflect. It's interesting mm-hmm. that you mentioned Judith because she was my my project manager on every project oh, I've ever done. I know. And um, yeah. I finally got quite a bit of funding this year. So I, you know, I really miss her. I'm going to be developing a new piece called the Assembly Center. So I like to think congratulations on that. Thank you. I like to think that we're reimagining not what the assembly center was, but what the assembly center can be. And so it can be a place where we particularly as artists of color and people of color can share our stories, share our history, share our pain, share our joy, share our food, you know, and so I'm really looking forward to developing the assembly center. So you're going to be seeing that it's a a rack funded and a Metro place making funded and NATO um, foundation. Oh, wonderful. Funded projects. So. Yeah, well, keep me posted on that. I know you do. So, you know, you know, I, I love to support your work, both of you. It was so great, Erin Spriggs and Chisa Ohata. Thank you for taking the time today to talk and to remember. And congrats on both of your mega events that you're leading <laughs> for Van Port Mosaic Festival. Thank you to the Laura Forti yeah. for her vision and... <laughs> bringing us together. That's what I was going to, I was going to say there at the end, Lauda has been uh, a community advocate for Vanport. And I think for also just me as a human has been a mentor and a friend and it's been great community. I feel very grateful to be working with her and to be collaborating um, with this project. It's very special. It is special. The Vanport Mosaic Festival events continue through May 28th. You can find links to the full festival schedule at vanportmosaic.org. And I'll post that info and links to stageandstudio.org or orartswatch.org. That's it for Stage and Studio. Till the next conversation, I'm Dee Melo Roberts. Thank you.